0: Welcome to the InTune podcast, showing you that politics doesn't need to be confusing as we break it down into easy daily chunks. Today we talk Libya with Nula McGovern from the BBC World Service, but first let's find out what you guys know about Libya already.
1: Uh, Basically
0: I know that Gaddafi was firing on his own people, so then the UN, US got involved.
1: Colonel Gaddafi's not a very nice man
0: and we're helping the rebels out
1: uh, because they need to get their own country back.
0: Colonel Gaddafi, he's, be, he's the rebellion are trying to overthrow him like it happened in Tunisia and uh, Egypt as well. What do I know about Libya, uh, apart from the fact that it's a country? Um, well, Gaddafi's there, isn't he? And he's, he's a bit of a loose cannon. OK, so we're joined on the Intune Politics podcast this week uh, by Nuala McGovern from the BBC World Service. Hi, Nuala.
1: Hello, John. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. How are you?
1: Very well, very well.
0: So, how did the uprising in Libya all start what what kicked it off
1: well really i mean libya is part of a whole chain of events that has happened in north africa which began in tunisia and as we've seen perhaps most dramatically in egypt where president mubarak stepped down and so it went into libya Now in Libya, of course, it hasn't been as swift as it had been in previous countries.
0: What were the coalition's reasons for going in then? What was the tipping point where they decided enough was enough, we need to intervene here?
1: Well, what happened was there was the protests as they marched forward as rebels tried to gain control of certain cities. Colonel Gaddafi began retaliating and the reason cited by the coalition forces was humanitarian. But there was a couple of resolutions. If we take the first one, um, it was basically to freeze Colonel Gaddafi's assets and to ban travel. And they wondered, would that stop him retaliating on the Libyan people? He declared a ceasefire, but it didn't take. He actually declared the ceasefire just after the second UN resolution, which um, allowed a no-fly zone over Libya, which would basically stop Colonel Gaddafi being able to use aircraft and shoot upon his own people. Once the UN resolution went through, Colonel Gaddafi's government called a ceasefire. But then, as the ceasefire did not hold, that's when the coalition decided to go in.
0: So what's the state of affairs uh, on the ground at the moment then? Who's uh, in a stronger position?
1: Well, it's almost impossible to say, to be quite honest. You get conflicting reports of what cities are captured. Perhaps one is captured, Rastanouf, which was an oil refinery town, captured by the rebels, then recaptured by Colonel Gaddafi's forces, and sometime a town then recaptured again by the rebels. So one uh, gentleman, Ian Black from The Guardian says he predicted a potential stalemate in the coming weeks, so kind of in this limbo zone of not really knowing who's in power. And, of course, that brings up if the airstrikes by the... um, coalition forces that are targeting Gaddafi's tanks or stuff like that. If that's not enough, do they get more involved in, for example, arming the rebels?
0: And that's what's being discussed at the moment, isn't it? They're deciding whether to supply weapons
1: to the rebels. Exactly. A lot of these kind of legalese around things as well, in the sense that how can the language be interpreted? Does it go as far as to allow giving arms in the sense of letting them protect themselves against Colonel Gaddafi There's also questions about who are the rebels. There was a flicker of al-Qaeda within them, was what one of the NATO commanders said, which of course has been something that Colonel Gaddafi has said all along, that they're al-Qaeda, which you know he was ridiculed for in some senses. But Mm. people don't really know who they are, and that's another really big question.
0: I mean, for me on the outside, I automatically think, why don't they just target Colonel Gaddafi? But there's a UN rule against that, isn't it? They don't know whether he's a legitimate target.
1: Exactly. And I think with the resolutions that they have so far, he is not a legitimate target. What they would like him to do, I think, is step down. Speaking with people in Libya who do not want Colonel Gaddafi anymore stepping down, yes, they want that. But they want him to leave. Um, they don't want him given immunity. They want him tried for crimes against humanity. So it's very complex. Uh, so finally, then, how... Is this all going to get resolved? Yeah, I mean, the immediate outcome might be the stalemate that Ian Black was uh, predicting, although he says he's been wrong before. Um, I think it's kind of impossible to know. It really is day by day, and it depends how far the coalition forces go. I mean, some of the Libyan rebels are asking for what they call boots on the ground, you know, in the sense of sending in troops or arming the rebels. So I think it's very fast-moving. But at the same time,
0: this could go on for months. Uh, Nuna McGovern, thanks very much. Thank you, John. Cheers. So that was the Intune podcast for today. I hope that's made things a little bit clearer. My thanks to Nuna McGovern from the World Service for talking us through it. Our podcast tomorrow is on the budget. And don't forget as well to go onto our website to access our term of the day. Thanks for listening.